the shift that showed our frailty. Nonetheless, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it. We are separated. We are isolated. And in this world, we have trouble. Nonetheless, we take heart because Jesus has overcome the world. We are conflicted and frustrated, weary too. But nonetheless, those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. We are down but not out, sidelined but still in the game. We fight for our families, we hold on to love, we strive for kindness, but the hard times get harder. Nonetheless, we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. We walk through adversity. We are sons and daughters of the Most High. We know to whom we belong and we know where our hope lies. For he is the first and the last, the Alpha and Omega, the one who is and the one who is to come. It looks bleak, they say it's grim, there's a lot to fear, but nonetheless, we are strong. We are courageous. We are the church. Amen? Amen. Well, good morning. God is good. All the time. And all the time. Wow, we are here. We are here. We want to welcome you who are in the worship center with us. Uh, we want to welcome you out on the patio. Good morning out on the patio. Had a chance to say hello to a few of out, you out there. And uh, if you're joining us from home, once again, good morning. Uh, we're celebrating another opportunity to gather as the church, as the church. And as much as we are uh, excited about being here and having uh, many of you here with us today, uh, I'm also reminded that the church is really the people, the people. And the newness of today in terms of having people here at the well, uh, we celebrate that. But we also celebrate those on the patio and those of you at home. Uh, shout out to Arizona and Redding, San Diego. Uh, we're just reminded that the church is the people. Amen? Amen. And whether you're here, whether you're joining us live stream, uh, we are the church. We are the church. And I wanted to start with that video this morning uh, because it, it was just a very strong and powerful reminder that even in the adversity that we've been facing, we are the church. We are the church. Jesus is our rock. He is our anchor. Uh, his word is truth. It's our foundation. And as we continue to move forward in these times and even celebrate sort of what I call a page-turner moment in having us back at the well with people here, uh, other than the staff and the elders, uh, this is awesome. Just, you know, now I can look beyond the first row when I preach and look out there and wave. And, uh, man, it's been a while. It's been a while. I haven't seen some of you uh, in months. And it's just great to have you back. Great to have you back. And, again, don't want to forget those of you on the patio and those of you live stream. Uh, however uh, your circumstance finds you, we just want to say thank you for joining us this morning. And we look forward to worshiping the Lord together uh, through all the various ways that we're going to do that. So let's pray, and we're going to go right into worship. Father, thank you for who you are. We praise you. We're reminded that we are the church, but ultimately this is your church. 
built on you, Jesus, our Lord and Savior. So, Father, as we uh, celebrate uh, sort of a, a well 2.0 moment with people here at 1290 Grand, we're also reminded that your church is bigger than the physical building. That there are people uh, on live stream, not just in Ojai, in the various communities in Ojai, but outside of Ojai, California and other states, perhaps even Russia this morning. So, Father, we're just reminded of your bigness and the bigness of your church. And we celebrate that we are, as that video said, sons and daughters of the King of Kings. So, Father, be pleased. Be glorified in our time together. I pray that we would worship you in spirit and truth, in joy and freedom. And then, Father, as the word is brought forth, as only you can do through your Holy Spirit, speak truth, transform us. I pray for the salvation of souls. I pray that the body would be edified this morning. And why? All for your glory. Thank you for another day of life. We want to redeem this time. We want to make the most of this opportunity we have to gather as the church right now. In the name of Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. Let's worship.
Actually, get to see some faces now. Um, before we do our um, um, tithing and offering, I just want to mention something about our one anothering and our uh, meeting and greeting. Now, we don't get to do it like we normally do, uh, but afterwards, if you guys want, out in the parking lot, those of us that are here, you can hang out and say hi to each other, or I mean, if you want, you can wave at each other right now. Um, and again, if you're online, uh, we encourage you to you know text uh, your friends, your family, just to say hello. Um, and really just love each other in that way. And so at this time, we are going to do our offering. Now, if you're here, uh, it's similar. You can do it with the, uh, the little slot on, on the door. And we also have these boxes on your way out if you want to drop it off. We're not going to be passing the plate around. Um, so there's that. And again, if you're online, uh, you can mail your offering here uh, to 1290 grand, or you can do the same. You can come, you can uh, put it in the slot, or again, any of us, wherever we're at on our little campuses, <laughs> uh, you can give online as well. And um, now we are moving into a different stage here, and some of us are here, some of us are gone. Um, you know, either way, we just ask that you would give really according to the love that you have really for God and just to serve uh, what he's doing here, you know, for his kingdom. And so with that, we're just going to pray together. Father, we just, we thank you uh, for all the resources and ways that you've blessed us, and really you've asked us to uh, steward the things that we have. Um, and so we just ask you to uh, just speak to us in the ways that you would like us to give. It's not just uh, financially, but the, the use of our time, um, the ways that you've uniquely gifted us, and asked us to, to bless each other and bless the people around us. So. so.
it, it's real nice. They have different fundraisers. Um, Pastor Richie and I went down there one evening and gave him a message, and they actually ministered to us because they sang to us, and I left there just feeling so, I mean, it was overwhelming. We went there to bless them, and they end up blessing um, Richie and I, so it was great. So if you don't have an opportunity, if you have an opportunity, go um, see it. Um, and also Michelle Bailey actually donates all the uh, little succulents that they do, and I had no idea. So our church is part of that already. Um, next announcement is our Kingdom Kids, and I'm sure you guys have been enjoying it. So you get, you might be able to see it if the screens come up. So, Ailey, are we good on? Here we go. Not the full armor yet, because we are still learning. This week we are talking about the boots of peace. Learn more about that on Kingdom Kids Online. We are excited you are here, that you're joining us. We have so much to talk about. And the greatest lesson is how to wear the true armor of God. Check us out, Kingdom Kids Online. Have a wonderful week. Well, hi, guys. I'm so happy to be here. My name is Millie because I'm very gullible. I believe everything everyone tells me. So that's why they named me Really? Yeah. Like my friends told me, hey, your hair would look really good if you cut it short, dye it blonde. And I said, really? And so guess what I did? And doesn't it look great? Yeah. And you think so? Really? Okay, I'm going to keep it like this. Well, anyways, let me tell you. So we were talking about the armor of God. So our enemy's attacks can come in the form of temptation. Yes, maybe a friend asks you to do something you know is wrong, like cutting your hair short and dyeing it. Maybe you see the chance to take something you want, but you know it doesn't belong to you. Whatever the temptation may be, God can give you the power to say what? No. Sometimes the attack isn't about getting us to sin. It's about keeping us from doing what God wants us to do. Our enemy uses discouragement to try to stop us from praying, going to church, reading the Bible, or from telling other people about Jesus. <gasps> the shield of faith can help us to defeat the enemy as well. God will protect us. He will save us from defeat. So put on that shield of faith. And if someone tells you like your friends or someone you don't know or peer pressure says to do something and you don't think it's right, you tell them no. Like I should have when they told me to dye my hair and cut it short. I shouldn't have said, really? I should have said, what? no. All right, guys, go put on that shield of faith. Introducing the shield of faith. This revolutionary shield is unlike anything that you've ever seen before. With its sleek design and aluminium body, you can block the flaming arrows of the evil one. In style. Flaming arrows? Look out, here they come! Ah. Translation! 
right. Even the flaming arrows of temptation cannot penetrate the shield of faith. So you can continue to live your life in obedience. I didn't feel a thing. Thanks, shield of faith. Like all pieces of the armor of God, shield of faith is purely metaphorical. It will not protect against actual flying objects such as dodgeballs, apples, moldy apples, chickens, calculators, footballs, etc., erasers, etc., etc., etc. All right, why don't we say thank you to uh, our Kingdom Kids team. Man, I'm a little bit concerned because we're in Ephesians 4 and we're going to get to 6. I'm not wearing that wig. (laughs) Maybe Mark will wear the wig. How many want to see Mark wear the wig on the one we get? There we go. There we go. Tyler already wore the armor, so we've we've got it already covered for you. Oh, man, that's so good. That's so good. Uh, well, this morning, we are going to continue uh, our march through Ephesians chapter 4. And uh, if you've been with us, you know that the book of Ephesians was written by the Apostle Paul to believers in Ephesus. And the first three chapters of Ephesians were doctrinal. We were celebrating so many wonderful truths about uh, the blessings we have received in Christ. Amen? Right? And then in chapter 4, there was a a really hard switch. And he says, okay, now that I've laid the framework, the foundation for all these incredible doctrinal truths that we should just be appropriating, what do we do? Well, here's what you do with it, right? And in Ephesians 4.1, he says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. So we've seen that Ephesians chapter, Ephesians 3, are, the chapters of Ephesians are broken into two parts. 1, 2, and 3, doctrinal. 4, 5, and 6, what do you do with it? Okay, very important because remember the book of James says we're not just to be hearers, we're to be doers. Okay, so we've been walking through uh, chapter 4. In very practical ways, with this process of putting off the old and putting on the new, if you've been with us. Uh, verse 25 was about speaking the truth. Okay, Verse 26 and 27, how to handle anger biblically. Okay, Verse 28, last week we talked about stealing and really the motive for why we work is not just to get, but to give. Right? Quick review. And as we move one verse forward this morning... I, I, I'm like, Lord, you are amazing in your time. Because the verse that we're going to cover today, I got to tell you, I'm like, wow, this is so appropriate for the culture and the climate of our country. There is so much emotion and anger out there right now that there is no shortage of words going out verbally and on the keyboards. And I cannot think of a better passage for us to focus on today. Now, I'm going to warn you. Before I warn you, I'm going to set you up. How many of you would like to be more like Jesus? And you're like, oh, here we go. He's going to set me up. How many of you would love to be transformed, sanctified, right? All those words that we amen, right? Okay. Just remember that you put your hand up. Because I'm going to forewarn you about what we're going to talk about today. Uh, I came across an article, and over the years I've seen new But this one I kind of like, okay, this is middle ground conservative. Uh, this article from 2017 on LinkedIn said that the average person speaks about 7,000 words a day. Okay, average person. Some much more. 
some less, but on average, 7,000 words a day. So it's 1023. How many have you used? If you just use 7,000 for each of us in this room, okay. So we're probably on the lower end right now on the word count. So this passage that we're about to look at is really applicable for the rest of this day. Because if, if, if everyone here in this room, out on the patio, and those of you at home, if you are going to average 7,000, and let's say you've used two. Let's say you've used two already at 1023 today. Well, by golly, you got another five. And the question is, what are you going to do with those 5,000 more words for this day? Right? And so Ephesians 4.29 says this, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those here. This is the second time, right? In verse 25, he's talked about speaking the truth. So this is the second time that he is very directly speaking to what comes out of your mouth. And like I said, if we're averaging 7,000, there's not a person in this room and not a person listening that this doesn't apply to. Right? And he's very clear that ultimately we start with that this is a heart issue. The Bible is very clear. It's a heart issue. Luke 6.45, the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the what? Heart, his mouth speaks. So in the years of ministry, especially starting you know, 10 plus years in youth ministry, I've been around a whole lot of language. And I've learned over time, especially when I was working with teens, and, you know, I've worked from gang- with gangsters all the way up to 4.0 students. I listen, and I don't necessarily freak out with what I'm hearing because it's just where they're at. It's the condition of their heart. And that's really, really important for us as Christians, as believers, especially if we're working through this passage with the apostle's heart, uh, and heart behind it, motive behind it. This is a heart issue. This isn't a... Stop saying bad things. You see, if you just turn Ephesians 4 and 29 into, ooh, bad word, stop that, and you don't recognize that it's a heart issue, you're, you're going to miss it. And then you're going to turn into the word police for yourself and for other believers when you're missing the whole point. This comes from the heart. So ultimately, right off the bat, if you want to change what comes out of your mouth, you got to change your heart. You got to be open to say, Lord, what's what's going on? In, what's going on in my heart? That's bearing the fruit of what's coming out of my mouth. Okay, and it's also kind of related to anger. How many of us have said things in anger that we want to grab right back? Right. So it's even related to what we talked about in verse twenty-six and twenty-seven. Anger. Scriptures filled. I mean, if you want a topic. No shortage of scriptures regarding what comes out of our mouth. I'm just going to read a few. Proverbs 10, 19. When words are many, transgression is not lacking. But whoever restrains his lips is prudent. Sometimes when I'm in a group setting and it's a social setting, 
This happened just recently. Uh, I, I, just, I just tend to listen. And in fact, sometimes people say, you don't really say much, do you? And the reason I don't really say much is because I have had foot and mouth syndrome my whole life. And I learned the hard way many times, dude, just keep your mouth closed. You don't have to join that conversation. Just listen, just, right? Because it says where words are many, transgression is not lacking. That means, you know, the word and the words are flowing, sin's not too far behind, okay? Proverbs 15, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouth of fools pour out folly. Proverbs 29, 20, do you see a man who is hasty in his words? There is more hope for a fool than for him. Proverbs 21, 23, whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. Amen? Right? Man, I don't know how many times my mouth got me in trouble growing up. Right? Just, you know, and, and I remember my mom, you know, and we're going to, it's actually very applicable to this. My mom one time said, you got to think before you speak. Because once you say something, you cannot get it back. And, you know, it's so true even on social media, right? You got to think before you prescend, you know? And, and that's really the heart behind this is, is what, what, what's coming out of our mouths? What's coming out of our mouths? One person even says, you know, looked at it this way. What comes out of our mouth is an imprint that we're leaving on this planet. What comes out of our mouth is a large part of how people perceive us, right? You ever, you ever been in a, a department store, a grocery store, Costco, and you've overheard a conversation? Anyone? And you're like, whoa. And immediately you're forming opinions and judgments about the person based solely on what you hear. Anyone ever do that, right? You're like, wow, my goodness. We don't realize that people do the same about us. They're listening and they're reading. And they're forming images and perceptions of us by what's coming out of our mouth, right? I, I um, came across this quote in, 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 uh, by J. Sidlow-Baxter. It says, One of the first things that happens when a man is really filled with the Spirit is not that he speaks with tongues, but that he learns to hold the one tongue he already has. Right? How many would think that if, if, if the Holy Spirit enabled you to just control your one tongue, how many would that be a miracle, a supernatural act? Amen, right? That, I, would, I would consider that like, right, supernatural. God just sanctifies the one. I don't have to worry about speaking in tongues. I just got to worry about him dealing with this one, right? And, and so we're going to look at very practical means when he says, hey, don't let anything corrupt comes out of your mouth and, and so on and so forth. And, and I was thinking, well, how can I make this practical? And I thought, well, you know, when I, we moved here in the summer of 1999, and we used to live in San Diego. And before I came here, I really didn't have a, to do a lot of um, construction or stuff around the house. I just, just wasn't a thing, didn't need to. But when I came here, uh, working at the other church and uh, developing friendships with brothers and then moving into a, a rental, you know, there's things that come up and you just have to ask for help. So I would ask for help from brothers over the, over the uh, years with construction projects, or I would help them. Most of the time, I would just stand there and hand them tools. 
You know, even if I had a project at my house, it was so funny how they ended up doing the work and I would just hand them the tool. <laughs> you need a what? <laughs> a what? And so uh, one of the things I learned, and I brought this, right? And you construction guys know this, right? Before you cut, you got to measure twice, at least twice, right? And I'm like, really? I didn't know that. And so this very basic principle, right? Before you cut a piece of wood or wherever you're going to cut, measure twice, cut once, right? Because once you make the cut, no going back. You made the cut. So measure twice, cut once. Well, you know, uh, for us, as we look through Ephesians 4.29, here, here's the thing. You're going to see, you're going to be able to measure four times. There are four measurements in this verse before you speak once. Four. Measure four. Four things. One, two, three, four. Before you speak once. Okay? So let's look at it. Let's, let's look at it. Ephesians 4.29. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. So what's the first measurement? It's a not. It's the negative part of the verse, right? Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. What is corrupting? Very The picture is something decaying. It's to putrefy, to rot away. It's rank. It's foul, worthless, spoiled, useless, something that smells horrible. It creates an unpleasant atmosphere. That's corrupting communication. It has to do with the atmosphere. Is that, oh, by your words, you're creating an atmosphere of, ew, what is that? Right? How many of you have ever had something die in the walls of your house? And you're like, honey, I think something died. And you're like, ew, what is that? Right? And so the first measurement is, are the words that are about to come out of my mouth rotting, spoiled, are they useless, are they creating a foul atmosphere, right? Ephesians 5, 4, so, so, you know, there's, instead of like line-eyed, well, what do you mean, can you give me a list? You know, everyone wants a list of what's corrupting, I don't know, I think the Holy Spirit can tell you, right? But we can look at biblical principles, Ephesians 5, 4, let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead, let there be thanksgiving. Okay, there's a good principle, right? First measurement. What are you talking with with the boys and the girls? And, you know, you're getting caught up in those kind of conversations and jokes? Well, okay. Proverbs twelve eighteen. There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts. But the tongue of the wise brings healing, right? In another version, they call those rash words reckless words. Are you out of your mouth just kind of reckless and you're just like jabbing people, right? And, and, it, and it's, it's in our culture, it's not even just what comes out of our mouth. I came across this quote from Doug Phillips where he brings the application of Proverbs twelve eighteen into the world of social media. And it was such a good quote, I wanted to read it to you. It says this. I read a lot of reckless words on Facebook, from Christians, I mean. A spouse will post something that may seem innocent on one level, but in actuality can't help but embarrass their partner. A church member will gossip about a situation, using inflammatory language that simultaneously indicates that they do not have a firm grasp on the actual facts. And, perhaps most common of all, 
personally insulting attacks on political leaders of the opposite party and perspective, defying Paul's teaching in Titus 3, 1 through 4. It is bad enough when you gossip or slander or lie in a room or a hallway or a restaurant table with only another person or two around. But with a medium like Facebook, these sins of speech go global. And make no mistake, that's just what they are, sins of speech. Even if the speech takes the form of a Facebook update, a blog post, or a tweet. Powerful. Check. Right? He refers to Titus 3, 1 through 4. Let's look at Titus 3, 1 and 2. It says this. Remind them, and this is speaking to believers and how to be a witness. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of what? No one. To avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. To speak evil of what? No one. No one. 2 Timothy 2, 24 and 26. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to who? Everyone. Able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with what? Gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. I like this passage in the New Living A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to who? Everyone. Be able to teach and be patient with difficult people. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts and they will learn the truth. Then they will come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap. For they have been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. Woo! Some powerful verses for our country right now. But not just for our country, some powerful verses for the church to be salt and light in our country right now. You want to be a witness? You want to be bear witness to God in, in, on your social media, at work, at home? Just do these verses. Just check yourself. I mean, I was reading it and I'm like, man, Lord, this is, this is real rubber meets the road things. Because I know a lot of people, you know, in your desire to keep up and, and be educated and stay current with political events, you're, 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 you're just consuming it, consuming it, and you're fired up, and you're lit, and you just got to express yourself. And then along comes Second Timothy, who says, gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Speak evil of no one. But, 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 but. Isn't that the point, though? Isn't that the point if we're going to be salt and light and ambassadors of reconciliation, that our speech is different than the world's? Shouldn't, shouldn't the world look at and, and listen to our speech and go, man, there's something different about you. How come you're not raging like everyone else on Facebook? How come you're just not letting your words rip like everyone else? Well, you know what? Uh, This is what the Bible says about what's supposed to come out of my mouth. And you know what? Actually, what comes out of my mouth comes out of my heart first. So for some of us in the church, what we might need to honestly do is come quiet before God and say, God, I need you to search my heart because my heart is 
hard right now, God. My heart is angry. My heart is bitter. My heart is terrified of where it's going. And all of this anger and bitterness and fear, it's coming out in words that are not glorifying to you. They're corrupt. They're in disobedience to your word. In fact, even in 1 Peter 3.15, for those apologists here, he says, right? Always be ready to give a defense so that you can answer with what? Gentleness and respect. Well, there's an R word that's gone out the window in our country. We can't even respect one another anymore. So question, if the world is raging, if the world can't even respect, if the world can't even dialogue What better opportunity for the church to come into that very situation with gentleness and respect and sensitivity and love? You want to have some people, you know, really? Right? That's why you got we we can't just breeze past this. We can't just and 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 a good reminder, okay, in Second Timothy, Eileen, can you put that back up? In verse 25, it says, gently, New Living, gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change people's hearts. See, why don't I have to rage? Why don't I have to blast them on Facebook? Why don't I have, why don't, why do I not have to win the argument? Because it's God who needs to change their heart. I'm long past, in 30 years of and counseling, I am way past trying to argue someone into the heaven or trying to argue someone into changing their behavior. I am long past. I am years and years of biblical counseling and head nodding and people leave my office and don't do a thing with it. Why? Because their heart didn't change. It doesn't mean I don't speak the truth in love. In fact, I've had people not very happy with me. I've been taken off Christmas card lists, I suppose, because I speak the truth in love, but I do so because I am supposed to, but I also do so in love with gentleness and respect because it's not between me and them. I'm just the messenger. So I can speak very directly and clearly to you about an issue in your life with gentleness and respect and love, and then when you leave, I'm just going to pray that God speaks to your heart. Because at the human level, I am way past trying to debate and argue anyone. If you want to have a discussion, let's have a discussion. You want to share differing opinions? Let's share differing opinions. But I do not live in la-la land that I, as a human being, am going to change your heart. It doesn't work that way. It just doesn't work that way. And I've learned in years of ministry, when I've tried the, the bad cop, Heavy-handed approach. You know what usually happens? People just get hardened. Their hearts get hardened. I don't, I I mean, honestly, I I was thinking, I can't think of a time when someone said, oh my gosh, you're right. Oh, thank you. Usually courteous head nodding and they walk away. But I don't even, I don't even, I'm just like, and I pray for them. So I love this for us as believers. Maybe this is a help for you today to be free of the angst and the emotion you're carrying. You can speak the truth in love, in gentleness and respect because it's God who's going to change their hearts. You're just the conduit of truth. You're just the messenger. The results are not in your hands. Be free of that. 
And it will probably change your attitude towards the people on the other side, whatever the other side might be in your world. Okay? So first measurement, right? Before I speak, is this corrupt? Is this going to be corrupt? Is this, is, this, is this going to create the right atmosphere? Or is this going to create an atmosphere of something rotting? Right? First measurement. Second measurement, right? Ephesians 4.29. But only. Everyone say only. Okay, these words that we just gloss over. But only such as is good for building up. Second measurement. I'm about to say something. Is this going to build the person up? Because again, most of the language that's coming out of our mouths and what you hear on the media is to tear people down, to destroy, to be destructive. Ephesians 4.29 says, the only thing we're supposed to say to one another is to build up, edify. It's talking about building a house. Now, how do you build a house? You have to think and you have to have a blueprint. You don't just like throw it together. Hey! Fellas, you want to help me build my house? Sure. Let's just wing it. Let's just, what do you think? And just, no, it doesn't work that way, does it? But sometimes in our language, we don't stop and think about, is this going to build someone up? Or is this going to tear them down? Right? Second measurement. 1 Thessalonians 5.11. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. So, If you want a radical transformation in your marriage, with your kids, with your co-workers, here in the church, speak only things that build up. Woo! This whole verse, this whole verse can radically transform marital conflict, sibling conflict, parent-child conflict, employer-employee, employee-employee, if we would just implement this one verse. We're not going to speak anything corrupt. We're only going to speak things that build up, that build up. Ooh. And you're like, yeah, but then I may not talk as much. Well, yeah, that's the point. That's the point, isn't it? I I might only use 3,500 out of the 7,000 because the other half is all negative and corrupt. Yeah, that's the point. That's the point, right? So is it corrupt? Does it build up? Right? Number two. Number three. He says in Ephesians 4.29. Right? Let me find that again. But only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion. As fits the occasion. Measurement number three. I'm about to say something. Does this fit the circumstance, the occasion? Okay? Is this going to build up? Is this going to be helpful for this immediate situation as fits the occasion? Okay? Proverbs 18.13, spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. Right? You don't even take time to vet the circumstance. You just hear something and... And you're like, whoa. Oh, oh, my bad. Anyone ever say anything too quickly and then you found out the facts? And you're like, oh, man. Yes, I should have like taken five breaths and understood what the occasion was, understood all the sides, right? Proverbs fifteen twenty eight: the heart of the godly thinks carefully before speaking. The mouth of the wicked overflows with evil words. The heart of the godly thinks carefully before speaking. 
Is this corrupt? Does this build up? What's the circumstance? What would fit this occasion best? That takes some time. Okay? We just don't react. We just don't, in the, we don't flesh out and just, oh, da, da, da. no, we don't do that. This also applies to when we're speaking to people that we disagree with, maybe even unbelievers. Because sometimes as believers, we develop this approach that is very this. And we don't take time to speak words that fit the occasion or fit our hearers where they're coming from. We just go on blast mode. And I want to share a quote. It's fairly long, but it hits it right on the point by by Martin Lloyd-Jones. I read this and I'm like, thank you. It says this, I must consider the people to whom I am speaking. I must make an assessment of them, and my speech and conversation must be appropriate for them. But many Christian people do not do this. What they do is to deliver a sermon. They address an individual as if he or she were a public meeting. They sermonize. They give a little address or sermonette. They make very good statements about the gospel and the way of salvation, but sometimes it is not at all appropriate and does not fit the occasion. They act in this way because they are thinking about themselves only and are not estimating the other. They say to themselves, Now that I am a Christian and must engage in good and godly conversation, I must always be giving my testimony or preaching the gospel or getting in a little word somewhere or other. No, says the apostle, that is a wrong approach. If you approach it in that way, you are more concerned about yourself and about doing your duty than you are about manifesting the true Christian attitude in this matter. The Christian's word of edification should always fit the occasion. So we are not to repeat phrases in parrot fashion and feel that we have done well and performed our duty. Not at all. Instead, we are to discover First of all, what is the exact position of other people? My business is to speak to them in such a way as to help them exactly where they are. Amen. We got to stop and take the time to get to know the other person, hear where they're coming from, hear their story, care about them as a human being, not just something or some object to be fixed. Because a lot of times we just, it's our duty and we just go on this blast mode. And I'm like, it, sometimes, honestly, it does more damage than good. But see, the harder part is to actually sit down and get to know someone and go have coffee and talk and, sh- and let them share even their, their worldview and even their view of the church or God or whatever that you disagree with. But you know what? What they really appreciate is that you're validating that they actually have an opinion instead of just telling them how wrong they are right off the bat. You know? It's like sometimes I go out to coffee with people, and, and I know they're not believers, or I know that they're, they're kind of like doing their own thing. And it's funny because I know that when we get together, because I'm Pastor Richie, that they're probably a little bit worried about what I'm going to say. And the funny thing is, when I have coffee and we shoot the breeze and I just catch up on their life and we enjoy a burger or something at Jim and Rob's and I say, all right, man, let's do this again sometime. And they're like, uh, okay. Because I just care about them. I just care about them. Me inviting them to lunch or coffee is not a gimmick to share some truth. 
I just want people to know I love you, I care about you, I want God's best for you, and that means we're going to have coffee over a length of time, and we're going to get to know one another. That's fine. That's fine, because everyone is at different places. I can't do a one-size-fits-all. It just doesn't work that way. That's not what Jesus did. Look at the Gospels. Jesus spoke to individuals. He, He got to know people where they were. And I think as the church, if we just started doing that, we can make an impact in this community. If, if we as the church family, body of Christ, just started taking the time to start listening more than we're yelling at times. Okay? I love this. This is a great verse. I heard this years ago. Proverbs twenty five eleven. Like apples of gold in settings of silver is a word spoken in right circumstances. I love that. You take the time. Is this corrupt? Is this going to build up? What's the occasion? The Holy Spirit gives you the right word for that circumstance, and this says it's like apples of gold. It's just what the person needed. It was, it was the right thing at the right time for that person. That's, that's the beauty. That's the beauty, okay? And then the fourth measurement, all right, that it may give grace to those who hear. Okay, first measurement. Is it corrupt? Does it build up? Right? Okay. Does it fit the occasion? That's three. Four, that it may give grace to those who hear. So the fourth measurement before I speak, is this going to give grace to those who hear? Okay. What kind of reaction is it going to get? Is it going to be a reflection of God's grace? Okay. R. Kent Hughes says, we are to converse in such a way that our words become a vehicle and demonstration of the grace of God. Quite honestly, a lot of us slide into our words or demonstration of the wrath of God, the anger of God, the judgment of God, not the grace of God. Right? Two great examples I love. Uh, Eliphaz in Job uh, speaks, he actually gives Job a compliment, and I love this. Look at Job 4. This is Eliphaz speaking to Job. Behold, you, Job, have instructed many, and you have strengthened the weak hands. Your words have upheld him who was stumbling, and you have made firm the feeble knees. How many would love your words to have that impact on people? That's grace, right? And then about Jesus in Luke 4.22, they're speaking about Jesus. And all spoke well of him, Jesus, and marveled at what? The gracious words that were coming from his mouth. And they said, is, this, is not this Joseph's son? Even Jesus spoke gracious words. Stephen Cole says this, If you are at odds with anyone, per- perhaps because he or she has wronged you, you'll be inclined to think, but this person doesn't deserve words that build him up. He deserves to be put down. But grace is undeserved favor. Grace extends to others what God has extended to you. It also extends to others what you need in return from others. Because you often fail, fall short or fail them. So although it may be true that the other person does not deserve kind words that build him up, give him such words anyway. That's grace. How many of you know that that requires a supernatural act of God? Right? Like, mm, 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 right? It, I told you, man, if you want to camp on one verse that will radically transform the rest of your life, Ephesians 4.29. Because, again, we average 7,000 words a day in all kinds of various circumstances, right? 
So four things in this verse, four measurements before I say one thing, right? Is it corrupt? Does it build up? Right? Does it give grace? Does it fit the occasion? And you're like, how is that even possible? How is that even possible? Right? I'm hearing it today, but how do I become a doer? Well, here, I love this verse, Luke 12. And when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. He says in in the context, in this very trying situation, don't freak out because when you need to speak, the Holy Spirit will give you words to say. Well, what what if we relied on the Holy Spirit in our daily conversation? What if we woke up and part of our morning prayer was, God, through your Holy Spirit, would you guide and guard my conversation today? Every word, if it's 7,000, Lord, would 7,000 words glorify you today in the power of the Holy Spirit? What a radical way to start the day. What a radical transformative way. That's what we're talking about here. That's what we're talking about here, right? Wayne Barber says, the Holy Spirit will give you words that can build up. That doesn't mean that you are, to never, you are never to confront. That doesn't mean you don't address problems. But it does mean that whatever you do, you do it with an attitude of building up and not tearing down. He goes, he went right, right back to the heart. We speak the truth in love. We can address issues that need to be addressed. We can disagree. But we can do it with the right heart. It's that heart that underlies and it's the undercurrent of 429. Okay, if you have the right heart, if you're understanding that what comes out of your mouth really comes out of your heart, 429 just makes sense. Otherwise, you're going to turn it in against, again, oh, bad Christian saying bad words. Oh, that is so far from what it's about. So far from what it's about. So how do we do this? Well, A, we recognize God. This is beyond me. I need the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. Change what comes out of my mouth to stop me and do four measurements before I speak once, right? Here's a great prayer, Psalm 141. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Amen? Isn't that a great morning prayer? Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Isn't that crazy? Like Jesus is guard over your lips. You sure you want to say that? Like, He's a standing guard right here. You sure you want to say that? I know you want to say that. You probably don't want to say that. Which measurement are you looking at there, buddy? I mean, it's like, wow. Set a guard over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Wow. Okay? And then as we prepare for communion, I don't know about you, but I never really tied what comes out of my mouth to the cross and the gospel, right? Because, oh, bad words, mean words, you know, bad, bad Christian. I never tied it all the way back to the gospel until I went back to Titus, and I, I shared the first two verses, but we're going to read Titus 3, 1 through 6, and hear how in Titus he ties it back to the gospel. It says this, Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. 
Now, here it is. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. You see, you guys can come on up. You see, I read that and I'm like, oh, before I go around blasting all these people that I hate and I believe are completely wrong and are lost and sinful and wicked and evil, oh, wait, I was once there. I was once one of them before God in his mercy and grace saved me. And I love that. It's just so humbling. You're like, wait, oh, we ourselves are once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various. Oh, wait, I was one of them. So who am I to put them on blast? Because it's God's mercy and grace that saved me. It's, it, it'll knock you to your knees. And I got to be honest with you, as we prepare for communion, if you're here, and if you're in the patio, or if you're uh, at home, wherever you're watching this, we got to stop. We got to stop. I know there's a lot of emotion. And I know you're going to leave here and, oh, yeah, okay. But how many of us are really going to ponder the remaining thousands of words we have left today? And how many of us are going to go off here and fire off something on Facebook or social media or put someone on blast on text or on a phone call and forget about the four ways we were supposed to measure before we speak once? So what I like to do is just give us a time before we take communion. Honestly, let God search your heart. And if you need to confess right now, that the words of your mouth have not been glorifying to God. We just need to do that. You need to confess that your heart is hardened and you're angry and you're bitter and you're hurt and you're scared. Whatever it is, out of the abundance of the heart you have been speaking, if you know your heart hasn't been right as reflected in your words and the words that you know that you speak that is not hidden from God but you speak under your breath or you speak in your mind because it's coming from here because you're not at right now. We're going to get right with God right now. So Vinny's just going to play, and we're just going to sit just for a moment or so, and you confess and lay your heart open to God about this issue of what comes out of your mouth. Father, we, we come before you, Father. There is nothing hidden from your sight. You hear everything. You are present everywhere. So, Father, you recognize first and foremost that what comes out of our mouth is a reflection of the condition of our heart. And we confess to you right now if our heart hasn't been right.
with you, with others in the church, with other human beings. We confess the condition of our heart before you. And we turn from it and we ask your forgiveness. And Father, we confess the times when our words have been corrupt, when our words have not built up, when our words have not fit the occasion, when our words have not been gracious. We confess the times when we've spoken in anger and our words have been like daggers and our words have been destructive and our words have been filled with venom and have been hateful. We confess this. We confess the relationships that have been wounded, destroyed, strained because of our words. Father, we confess this before you and ask for your forgiveness. And Father, this morning we acknowledge our absolute dependence on you through the Holy Spirit to transform our heart and transform our words. We can't do it on our own. It's way beyond good intentions. Father, heal my heart. Soften it in the areas where I'm angry, where I'm hardened. Father, would you please guard my mouth, the door of my lips, as only you can do. And then, Father, we're reminded from Titus that we were once lost. We were once just like the world. So, Father, help us to see them through your eyes in your grace and compassion. They're no different than where we were when we didn't know you, Jesus. So again, it requires a supernatural work from you to transform how we speak about them and to them. May it be done in gentleness and respect, always believing you are able to change anyone's heart. We can speak the truth in love with confidence and boldness because it's you, God, who will change the heart, not me not anyone else, just you. And as we prepare for communion, Jesus, we're again, just come back to the throne, to the cross, your grace, your mercy, that you spoke gracious words when you were on this planet. So we just want to follow your lead. You're here in the uh, worship center. There's communion cups in the seats before you. You can... uh, reach forward the bottom of the seat before you just look straight ahead and may have to get up and grab those cups and uh, I was reminded at our last Wednesday at the well these are different cups so on top there's a little cellophane that you pull off and kind of exposes a little wafer and then uh, pull open the lid and get to the juice so crazy way to do communion, but praise God we get to do it. Amen. So, a little bit bit of a challenge, but if you're at home, out on the patio, communion this morning brings us back to the cross and what comes out of our word, our mouth, our words. Okay? Jesus, we hold these elements in our hands.
We thank you for what you did for us. You were crucified, you died, you rose from the dead. We hold these elements in remembrance of you. And and then, Jesus, as we take communion and as we prepare to leave, I pray that through your Holy Spirit, you would bring Ephesians 4.29 to all of our minds throughout the day. That beginning right now, we would purpose in our heart to glorify you in our words. Just glorify you in our words beginning immediately. We take this communion in remembrance of you, Jesus. Amen.
is worth living just because He lives. And life is worth living just because He lives. And life is worth living just because He lives. So, Father, we just thank you for the gift that you've given us in your son and that because of his death and his resurrection that we have new life and that by the power of your spirit we can move forward that we can uh, plead with you to transform our hearts and our minds so that we look more like you and so that we see the people around us even the people that disagree with us or uh, the people that do agree with us um, we just ask that you would give us your eyes to see them the way that you see them that we might extend the love and the grace that we've been given unto them and that uh, you would soften their hearts and that you would lead them uh, unto your own heart. Pray all these things in your name. Amen. 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 Um, I really appreciate the opportunity every week, and I really hope that you do too, To especially during this uh, time that we're spending in Ephesians, to build on the truths that we have uh, heard over and over again in Ephesians 1 to 3, and now to begin to practically apply them to day-to-day life. And, um, and this opportunity this week, like in 10 minutes and an hour and the rest of today, to really ask the Lord, to give the Lord our hearts so that what comes out of my mouth today and tomorrow and the day after is glorifying to him and is building up those who I'm speaking to. So what a a wonderful opportunity and a wonderful encouragement. So again, we just thank you so much. Like we said at the beginning, thank you so much for joining us, whether you're here, those, uh, you know, 20, 25 people here and the well uh, inside with us, those of us or those of you out on the patio, thank you so much for coming. And those of you who are just joining by live stream, watching it now or a little bit later today, thank you for just, again, choosing every t- every Sunday to gather together. Like Tyler said, we are the church to gather together in praise and fellowship. Um, and I just want to leave us uh, with this um, passage out of First Thessalonians. Paul says, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. So we're done today. If you're here on the patio, you're welcome to just depart out the fence. If you're in the building, we'll have the back doors open. This door will be open as well. You're welcome to depart either way. And like Tyler said, if you'd like to spend time out front or in the parking lot engaging with and talking with one another, we encourage you to do that. But the commons is closed. We do are going to not have time in here to fellowship. So we all do need to kind of quickly move out into the open space. So thank you so much for coming. God bless you and Lord willing, we'll see you next week.